Jimbo said yesterday that um, at some point while you're in hospital, that he was going to beat your butt. That wasn't the word that he used, but did you have any response for that? In golf? <laughs> <laughs> I think you. I think you meant on the football field. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll come a day, you know. Let's go right here in the middle of the damn field and bring it down, Tigers on three. Hell baby. yeah! Cause this is our house from now on. Yes, sir. Tigers on three. One, two, three. Tell you this, we ain't done yet. Great day for you, huh? That's a yeah. It's better than average. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that, that <laughs> we played LSU because you know New England, Green Bay, and the Chiefs uh, had somebody scheduled. You know what we're gonna do though? We gotta quickly call the hogs for the race. Yep. <laughs> the fact you're dressed as Darth Vader, do you feel like you were somewhat of a villain in this fight? I mean, you charged out on the field pretty hard. I was trying to get our players off the field, you know, because I know we have a big game next week. All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that. SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo, but I got one heck of a show lined up for you listeners. All kinds of news and notes from around the SEC, so we'll get to that. But before we get into the the only conference that really matters, this is something kind of interesting, kind of fun I wanted to start with. I know this guy is not the most popular guy in SEC circles, but he may soon be coming to the SEC. Who knows? Uh Uh-oh. But old James Franklin, former Vanderbilt coach, of course, now at Penn State. And it seems like every day this guy's got a new report, a new rumor he's got to shoot down, and he is not handling it too well. Of course, his team just lost their, I believe, their first game of the season. They were the ones that played – Illinois in that nine overtime, two-point shootout contest. Penn State lost the game, unfortunately, for Franklin and those fans. But this week, they're playing Ohio State, and the rumor mill is spinning hard that James Franklin is going to be leaving the program. And if you missed it, he switched agents. And who did he sign with? None other than Jimmy Sexton, a.k.a the most powerful man in college football, represents damn near every coach in the SEC, several NFL players. But why that's significant, you don't go hire Jimmy unless you're looking for a new job, a new contract. And, you know, just putting the pieces together here, it looks like James Franklin angling for something here. Let's kick it over to him. He was asked about that. James, there was a report last night that you are changing agents and I was wondering if that is true and if it is do you think changing agents in the middle of the season could be a distraction yeah so I'm glad you asked Rich first of all as you know you know my response completely focused on um, our season and our team uh, and finding a way to 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 beat Ohio State and be one and oh this week um, now I'm not going to get into the details, Rich, but what I will tell you is that this is being reported now, um, but this is something that happened over the summer. 
Um, you know, obviously, I didn't make an announcement. Uh, I don't know anybody that ever does when, when that happens. Um, but this is something that happened over the summer that's just being reported now to answer your question. All right. So, hey, <laughs> take it for what that's worth. But again, Penn State playing Ohio State, huge epic game this week, right? During this presser on Tuesday, James Franklin twice mentioned, and this is after four or five minutes of talking about Ohio State, he says they're focused on Illinois. The people that are ostensibly your peers in the administration. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, again, I think that's a fair question. Obviously, you know, we're, we're trying to be focused on Illinois and talking about Illinois as much as we possibly can. You know, and Ben, you and... All right, and if that wasn't bad enough, also during the same presser, again, he's already talked Ohio State. He's already talked Illinois. Where does he say they're playing? He says they're playing in the big house, which if you don't know, that's where Michigan plays. So here we got a coach having to answer all these questions about his status. He's getting a new agent, doesn't know who they're playing. It's the biggest game of the year. He's thinking about last week's opponent. He's thinking about Michigan. I mean, this guy's all over the place. So I don't know. Maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but it seems like a guy that uh, is, A, either unraveling at the seams and and cannot keep uh, his lies, <laughs> you know, cannot be focused on the lie he's telling at the right time because that's the thing with uh, being dishonest. It's, it's hard as hell to keep that going for too long. The truth always comes out. And it certainly seems like the truth with James Franklin is he is not focused. Does that mean he's coming to LSU? No, but hey, maybe he's headed to Southern Cal. I don't know, but I just thought anytime we can use, uh, we can point and laugh at James Franklin. I am not going to pass up on that opportunity on this show. Oh, and even worse, hell, I almost forgot this happened right before I hopped on the pot here on Wednesday evening. James Franklin asked about. Once again, this is a day after the, the press conference was on Tuesday. Here he had another media availability on Wednesday. And these comments, they ain't helping his cause. At the end of the day, everybody just sort of has to take somebody's word for what they say. Do you worry about burning goodwill with people that you have to talk to? How do you balance whatever's going on in your life with the things you want to achieve here, the things you want to achieve in general, and getting that done while at the same time keeping life to yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's fair. Um, I, at some point, I'd love the guys to sit down with you guys over a beer and, and talk through all of this. Uh, talk through all of this in detail, kind of how it goes, the, the challenging situations that, that you know, coaches are put in sometimes, um, especially if you're trying to be honest and upfront with, with everybody. And that's something that's very, very important to me. Uh, I am fiercely loyal uh, to Penn State. I am fiercely loyal, most importantly, to these players and, and the staff. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts with all of these things. There's a lot of moving parts, some of which we have talked about in the past. All right, uh, so he's fiercely loyal, but you, you never know. Things could change. <laughs> oh, my God. And this is a guy, believe it or not, I mean, he almost left for the Tennessee job around this time last year. About 10 months ago, I think it really was. So he's fiercely loyal, but he's looking for other jobs all the time. So, hey, the coaching silly season is here, and it looks like James Franklin, just based on all this, is moving. We'll we'll see if he comes to the SEC, but you got to think uh, 
you know, who knows? Maybe he is a big-time target there at LSU. I've not heard that name, but uh, we know Scott Woodward likes him, some big names, and James Franklin, whether you, you love him or hate him, he's one of the biggest names in college sports, no doubt about it. But, all right, moving on to the conference that matters here, the SEC, of course. A lot of talk of officiating the last couple of weeks, bad calls left and right. I mean, no one's happy with the damn refs unless uh, they're blowing a call in your team's favor. And uh, during a recent appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show, Sam Pittman was asked about the refs and specifically the faking of the injuries. They were certainly uh, one that uh, was affected by that, but Ole Miss, and we don't have to go down that road. We all know who they played next because Cousin Shane's reminded us every day since that time. But uh, Sam Pittman, I thought, uh, you know, he had some interesting ideas on the faking of the injuries and how you can't really ask the officials to kind of weigh in on those in real time. I guess that we're, we're talking to the commissioner in a couple of hours, and I'm not having you do my work for you, but is there a better way than we're doing it right now? You know, I, I don't really know the answer there. Um, you know, communication is a big deal uh, from officials to us, and I think that works uh, both ways. Uh, you know, I think there's got to be some some type of rule changes, you know, for the flops and, and uh, certainly for the targeting calls. I think we'll address that. Uh, and if we can clean that part of it up, then, you know, we may have too too much on officials, to be honest with you. And, and uh, you know, they're looking for every single everything. And, and maybe that's part of part of what might be a problem. I'm curious about the flops because that comes up all the time, and uh, I think uh, I think I think it was Nick Saban who said a couple of weeks ago he understands why 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 teams do it. But is there anything that you can do? Because how how do how does how do you really know uh, in a situation like that? No, I don't think you can as an official. I, I I think we take that totally off of them. I think I don't I think that's unfair to ask him to say is he hurt or is he not hurt. It's a, it's a coaching issue. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, uh, it's a non-penalized flop. And as long as it's, there's not a penalty, you know, possibly if you see something after a game and, and you suspend the coach or the player for doing that, then maybe it'll stop. But right now, I mean, you're seeing 20 flops a game and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't know that all of them came back uh, healthy and I'm certainly not a medical doctor, but uh, it has to be addressed. All right, so, uh, hey, this is something that I've kind of argued for as well. If you see proof of a coach calling for players going down, even though they may not be injured, what can we do? Hell, maybe we suspend some coaches. Maybe we take some of their pay. Maybe we fine them, things of that nature. And it certainly seems like something has to be done, as Sam Pittman says here. And who better to ask than Greg Sankey, who was also on the Paul Feinbaum show here on Wednesday. And I didn't really particularly care for Sankey's answer, but uh, here it is, his talk on officials and whether there should be full-time officials in the SEC. Well, Commissioner, uh, I would like to start with something that we hear all the time about, and and I don't know how, how there is a solution to fans being unhappy you get it every 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 day and usually on Mondays but the officiating question comes up and, and I know that's always something that you're concerned about and talk about so what 
can you uh, say about where where is the state of officiating in the SEC? So officiating is an incredibly difficult task. We, we should start with that as a fundamental. Uh, second is the experience around our games is an emotional experience. People are attached to their teams. And there are going to be any number of close circumstances in a game. And depending on how you view the impact on that team is often how you view the effectiveness of the official. There are realities. So we acknowledge what was uh, a breach of mechanics and expectations on a punt return. Not that we misapplied rules, but we had an official waving hands to kill a play. but We didn't follow through on that. Um, a lot of the other noise is actually related to correct outcomes. There may be close outcomes. They may be outcomes that a fan base didn't like, but they're nonetheless correct outcomes. That's not to say that officiating is perfect, but when you take the challenge of officiating, the emotion attached, people are going to have strong opinions. It is our duty to continue to improve. So we've we've had a change in our officiating coordinator. We've had changes in staff. We do have accountability. What we don't do is issue press releases uh, every Monday and say we're suspending or eliminating this official. I think that's first disrespectful. Doesn't make you any better. Um, and we've been clear that our accountability is applied in an internal basis. Uh, that said, when I look at other uh, conferences, in fact, when I watch games. Uh, on Sunday, officiating is challenging, and despite the, the, the fact that there are going to be errors, discrepancies, disputes, I think our officials perform at a very high level, particularly given the high level of play in this league. Commissioner, the, the biggest criticism from fans uh, in, in terms of comparing college football, it's not, it's not the SEC, but it's just college football in general with the NFL, is that, that most of these officials, I think all of them, are part-time, where in the NFL, I believe it's full-time. Is that, is that a solvable issue to, to make uh, officials full-time? As I, as I understand, the NFL has some full-time okay, officials, some. but it's not, not a full-time staff. Um, and when, when I look at the dedication of our officials, and, and I'll speak to other collegiate conferences, the amount of time they they dedicate to their craft is substantial. And if you take a, an individual and simply make them full time, does that really solve the dynamics of the game? So if we take a step back from the emotion and, and Wednesday is probably a good day to do that, things are happening so fast uh, on, a, uh, on a football field. And particularly when we see sped up offenses, which is just a reality that we have to encounter in college football, that makes decision-making even more demanding. It has to happen more quickly. The evaluation points are still the same, just in a compressed period of time. So we have to adjust to that. Having full-time employees doesn't solve those realities. Uh, particularly, Paul, when you understand that there is a dedication of time by officials, as soon as the national championship game is concluded, our officials are working on preparing for next year, and they work uh, on their craft throughout the season as well. So based on old Sankey's comments here, I mean, it seems like he's kind of blaming it on these fast-paced offenses when I think what uh, he really needs to be saying is, you know, we got to get these refs to adjust to the speed of the game. And I guess it is what it is. We all like to call out certain SEC refs for doing a poor job on the field. And hell, I've seen worse officials, believe it or not, in some of the other conferences. So the SEC, it's not like they have the worst officials, but – 
I don't understand here why we don't have full-time officials considering all the money that's at stake and the prestige of the SEC. I know there's, uh, like Sankey notes here, there's some officials that are full-time in the NFL. Hell, you know, give these guys some real pay and get them some real training and maybe you get a better crop in here. I'm, I don't know. Something's got to be done here. And it doesn't seem like Sankey is uh, too concerned about it based on these comments. Uh, at least that's how I'm reading into it. And I really think that, uh, you know, the importance of all this and, and how much fans live and die off these calls on Saturday, we got to ensure that uh, we get better officiating because we see it time and time again. And this is not this year just an issue. I mean, this is going back several years. Hell, I don't want to even want to throw out specific examples because there's so damn many. But each and every year, we got call after call after call, and there's many a fan bases that think the referees hate them. And I don't think that's the case, but I just think there's so many damn bad calls that uh, how can you think anything other than people are out to get you? So I need to see Greg Sankey and the SEC commit a little bit more to boosting everything with the rest full-time rest better pay more training and i think that's the only way we're going to get this solved now here's to uh hoping that none of the games this weekend <laughs> come down to a blown call because uh, we've got some big games here no doubt and of course the big one in the sec east the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville and I know not all the fans are going to be on board with this news but the city of Jacksonville has just come out and announced here on Wednesday that uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party has been extended until 2025 I know there was uh, some debate on whether that would be happening I believe the contract was coming up at uh, 2023. So we got a couple more years here of guaranteed cocktail party in Jacksonville. But man, a lot of storylines heading into this matchup. And I think the, the main one for both sides is who's going to play at quarterback. And before we get to uh, Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart's comments on those from the SEC teleconference on Wednesday, look at this graphic from the SEC network on how the two programs have trended since last year's meeting, which, of course, Florida won the game. Georgia jumped out to a big lead, and then it was all the Gators from there on out. But since this loss, Georgia's 11-0, 5-0 versus ranked teams, averaging 38 points per game, giving up only 11, while Florida Gators 8-6 overall, 0-3 versus ranked opponents, only averaging 36.2 points per play, and allowing 26.6. So that's the key difference. Again, Georgia allowing only 11 points per game since last season's meeting with Florida, while Florida's given up 26.6 points since last meeting against the Georgia Bulldogs. And that's not the only stats I got here. This comes uh, via Brandon Zimmerman of uh, ESPN. The spread right now, 14.5 points in favor of Georgia, the largest 14 and a half points Georgia favored by. That's the most the Bulldogs have been favored in this matchup dating back to 1995. And the only larger point spread between these two favored Florida back in 2009 when the Gators were number one. They were favored by 16 and a half points. Went on to win 41 to 17. So, hey, 
according to at least the point spread, not necessarily going to be a competitive game. I'm not technically buying into that just yet because I think Dan Mullen will have some tricks up his sleeve, and it's it's got to start with Anthony Richardson. But who knows what we're going to get from Georgia either on the quarterback battle here. If it is even a battle, maybe we're making people like me, Georgia fans keep getting mad that I'm even suggesting that JT Daniels should get his job back considering how well Stetson Bennett is playing. But, you know, I think we're going to get Stetson Bennett in this game because what I've been told, I don't know if JT Daniels will be fully healthy until the SEC championship game. So that's something to think about. But uh, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen here on the SEC Coaches Teleconference. Both of them asked about the quarterbacks and both of them not giving nothing away here heading into this matchup. Coach, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to to share your quarterback plans for Saturday. Uh, short of that, um, you know, you, you said you'd, you're looking at tape JT after practice, and 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 you were saying that he was looking pretty good going in to last night's practice. Just where where are you with that? Uh, you know, heading into to one more practice on Wednesday. They both uh, look, look good, and they're both doing a good job. So we'll go into Wednesday and see how today goes. Are, are you at the point now that you can say that you, you both guys will probably get on the field? Both guys have done a good job. So, again, we'll go into today's practice and see how today's goes. Okay. Uh, this, uh, you know, obviously you've been dealing with two quarterbacks all all year, but specifically to Georgia, um, you know, the the question is unanswered as to if we'll see two quarterbacks. We'll only it if we'll only see Daniel. What is your view? How how much difference uh, from a preparation standpoint? Realizing that you, you know, you, you'll have to prepare for both, I guess. But it, how much of a problem is that? Yeah, you know, I don't know as much of a problem um, because you know they're going to run their offense, uh, you know, with, with either guy in the game. I think it's understanding which guy is in the game and understanding, you know, each, you know, schematically, it's not going to be a massive difference or a change. It's really understanding what this guy brings to the table, and you know, what are his strengths, what are his weaknesses. Where is he going to – and then, you know, because everybody in the in the, the game, even if you run the same play with two different quarterbacks, each one's going to play and have a little bit of a strength to it and uh, things that they bring to the table differently. So you just got to have the awareness of which quarterback's in the game. Does the – you know, we keep asking you about the quarterback and mm-hmm. who you're going to play. Yeah, we will, we will play a quarterback on Saturday. We'll have a quarterback on the field. I guess I'm not the answer your question. <laughs> so leave it up to Dan Bullard to leave a wisecrack and Kirby to basically say nothing. He said something, but really he said nothing. Uh, I, neither one of these coaches is going to tip their hand. They know how important this game is to their fan bases and hell, their own legacies. So. Again, I mean, they're just—they're both playing the same trick here. We'll have to see on Saturday who takes the snaps for each team. Uh, and hey, big news here: staying in the SEC East, Tennessee. Let's hop on down to Rocky Top because if you missed it, 
third string quarterback technically i guess he is now harrison bailey has entered the ncaa transfer portal let's throw that up on the screen of course uh bailey played a little bit as a freshman i thought he looked pretty good a lot of uh, anticipation for how he would look in josh hypo system and he just never really got that chance so Certainly, it looks like his time at Tennessee is coming to an end. He was behind Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. And I can't even recall if we've seen him on the field this season in the offense after lighting it up in the spring game. Harrison Bailey will have should have four years to play wherever he goes next. Of course, you know, they had to dismiss the freshman Salter. Brian Maurer left. Now Harrison Bailey how long is Joe Milton going to stick it out now that, uh, you know, he's not starting hand and hooker. He does have an extra season of eligibility remaining, but will he return? And he only has that extra year because of COVID hand and hooker was asked that here on Wednesday. So let's kick it over to hand and hooker. And then you're a guy who, because of those COVID rules, I guess could come back next season. Have you thought about what you want to do yet? And when do you feel like you, you need to really start thinking about that? I haven't thought about it, really just concentrating on this season, uh, winning the next ball game against Kentucky, and then currently, you know, we're in the bye week, so, you know, tightening up on uh, nuances that we need to work on and, um, you know, getting healthy. So I haven't really thought about it at all. So now following this Harrison Bailey news, I mean, this could be the storyline of the offseason because depending on what Hooker does, I mean, either you're going into a season with Joe Milton as your guy or – Hell, I could even see Milton leaving at this point, considering that uh, he's lost his job. Uh, Tennessee could be in a really, really rough spot here. I know they've got a, a touted freshman potentially coming in. Hell, nothing's official till they sign, but he, he's a committed Elite 11. I believe he's a high school All-American. Taven Jackson, I believe is his name, from Indianapolis. So they're getting in a good player, but you got to think that Tennessee's going to have to hit the portal to add some quality depth there at the quarterback position following this news. But in reality, how good of a player are you going to get if uh, if Hendon Hooker comes back? Not a real opportunity to start over Hendon Hooker, I wouldn't think. So, you know, th- this is going to be a storyline to watch here in the offseason. Big question marks at the quarterback position, which <laughs> seems like an annual theme these days. Now they finally got a quarterback uh, we'll have to see if Hendon Hooker returns. But speaking of, uh, you know, the offense, Josh Heupel, he also met with the media here on Wednesday, his only press conference of the bye week. And he was asked about kind of giving an opportunity to make some excuses. And Coach Heupel, not about to do that here during the bye week. Josh, you've been around the game for a bit as a player and now as a coach. I know you never want to make excuses, but with the depth situation you all have as a team, I know it kind of is what it is, but have you experienced something sort of like this before where it's sort of this thin in some spots? For sure, this is the thinnest football team just based off the numbers uh, that uh, you know I've been involved with as a coach or as a player. At the end of the day, there's no asterisk next to the season, right? Uh, our players and our coaches, uh, you know, it is what it is. and. You're either good enough or you're not when you walk off the field on Saturday. Um, I love competing with this group. Uh, They're going to compete extremely hard. We continue to grow that way. Um, There's some things that we got to clean up that we can control that will help us play more efficiently at times. So I just thought Tennessee fans would really appreciate this. I feel like the last couple Tennessee coaches, any excuse you go give them, they are going to take it. It uh, seems like a different day here on Rocky Top under Josh Heupel. Still, uh, you know, he knows, man, these games count whether 
you know, the stack, the deck is stacked against him, so to speak, or not. Fans are not going to give you any excuse. You either get it done or you're not. And the last couple weeks, Tennessee's fallen short. A lot of that due to self-inflicted wounds. So they have got to get that cleaned up during the bye week to because they got a hell of a challenge there on the road at Kentucky next weekend. All right, well, speaking of the SEC coaches teleconference, big news, sort of. I think everybody kind of jumped the gun here. It was a little clickbaity here, but uh, Nick Saban about to turn 70 this week. Wanting to know how long he's going to go. He was asked about old Lou Saban (laughs) getting a job at age 80. Uh, This was a great question, and people are misconstruing it to say Nick Saban said that he's going to coach for 10 more years. That's not at all what he said. So let's kick it over to Nick Saban, who his comments were a little viral today, but uh, I think they were taken a little bit out of context. When when you were at LSU, Lou Saban got a job when he was 80 years old. He was still coaching. I remember you saying at the time that you didn't think you could coach that long, but but you're getting <laughs> kind of close. Do, do you? Uh, do, I got 10 more years, man. <laughs> but do you feel better at 70 uh, or almost 70 than you thought you would when you were, you know, 50? Uh, you know, I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. Um, but I am can tell you that I'm thankful every day um, and feel blessed that I have the opportunity to continue to be healthy and, you know, able to do this job um, without a lot of issues or problems. So um, now, you know, and I'm, I'm not really thinking a lot about what's going to happen 10 years from now either um, because I try to focus on what's happening now and try to take advantage of uh, whatever opportunities we have and do the best job that we, we can to, you know, be a good uh, husband, granddad, father, coach, um, whatever. So, um, and feel blessed to have the opportunity that we have and the opportunities that we've had in the past. Would you say you're taking it more year by year or two years by two years than say you were earlier? No, I, I just kind of keep on keeping on and um, don't have a timetable for anything. Uh, the only thing that I've, you know, ever said um, is that if I felt like uh, I was riding the program down or I wasn't able to make a positive contribution to the program, uh, then that would probably be time to let somebody else, you know, carry the torch. All right, so that's not to say Nick Saban won't be around for 10 more years to haunt the rest of the SEC, but not quite what he said on the SEC coaches teleconference. But, uh, hey, he's got these are the kind of questions that come up during the bye week. You sure as hell would rather have people wondering how much longer you're going to dominate the conference than what we got going on in Baton Rouge. So let's kick it down there real quick where the Tigers are apparently sending back tickets. You know, obviously the way teams get – X amount of tickets for fans to go on the road. But if they don't sell them out, you got to send them back to the home team. And that is apparently what's going down with LSU not having enough people buy up tickets to go to the game here in Tuscaloosa. And this is after Alabama dominated you last year in Death Valley. So this thing's looking pretty ugly and adding a little insult to injury. Literally, Coach O says they do not have enough guys to even – practice this week during the bye week so uh, let's kick it over to coach o real quick how hard is it to judge uh it's starting really in the spring and heading into the fall 
of how hard the practices need to be uh, a, to prepare a team the right way for yep. this weekend and week out type of uh, t- this type of deal, Coach. You know, we we have a formula here that's been very successful, and I try to stick to that formula, but it does change and vary according to each team. It does change and vary according to the injuries that you may have or you don't have. For example, this week uh, we'd usually go full pass today, and then tomorrow we'd have the Tiger scrimmage, uh, Tiger Bowl. But we don't have enough players to do the Tiger Bowl scrimmage tomorrow, and we don't have enough players healthy enough to have a full practice today. So you have to make adjustments. Yeah, so things just ain't going LSU's way at the moment. But that uh, last time this happened, you shocked the world, beat the Florida Gators. That's why everybody's so mad at Dan Bullen currently. So who knows? I mean, we're not writing off LSU just yet. But, uh, you know, I just thought that was interesting. Of course, they are also on the bye leading into this Alabama game. But, hey, I hate to end on a sad note like that, but uh, I figured we'd do the bye teams last on this episode. But, hey, that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. And as always, of course, if you haven't already, leave us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that we have all 14 sec teams represented so reach out to us at that sec podcast at gmail.com and send us a screenshot of your apple podcast review and we're happy to send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that but that's going to do it cousin shane will be back on the next episode we'll be breaking down our picks heading into the weekend but that's going to do it catch you on the next one